And welcome to Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where I, Zach Jenkins, and my co-host, Adam Reck, go through three X-Men stories and put them on our list from the best to the worst X-Men stories, you know, of, of forever. Adam, Adam, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing great, and do you, do you know why I'm doing so great today? What? Why? Why are you so great? Because we we have our first guest nice. on the show. His name, which you may have heard all across the world on things like the Warwick and Ajax question segment, my Twitter account, or on the fabulous podcast Multiversal Q and Exiled, it's Luke Hare. Luke? Luke, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and also I do want to point out, I have been a guest on War Rocket Ajax, I've been on multiple Heroes Con specials, and I was back in the days of the Hundo Club, when we got huh. to be on an episode for uh, doing that. Nice. Wow. Welcome. You are prolific. But, that's, yeah. That's so... a way of putting it. <laughs> no, so, so Luke's here, we have... A few really exciting uh, specials, cool issues coming up. But uh, first, we should we should probably let people know why like Luke's worth being a guest. I guess. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. That wasn't harsh. They don't know him. I, we obviously agreed that he should be on the show. He has the credentials. So Luke, how about you uh, tell us about uh, Multiversal Q and Exiled? Uh, sure. So, Multiversal Q is your guide to the comic book multiverse, now in podcast form. It's a weekly podcast where we look at different alternate universe comic stories, and then we rank them and put them on the list. We started that after uh, War Rocket Ajax and after Journey into Misery, though I was unaware of Journey into Misery when it started, but we got it in before Battle of the Atom started. Look, and... it's not like putting things on a list is a unique concept. <laughs> People no, like lists. Ranking them, ranking them is our unique. Okay. That's fair. And, That's uh... fair. I mean, you say unique, but you did just list three other podcasts that do the exact same thing. And that's just the comics-related ones. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of us. What can we say? We are Legion. It's... Is this that podcast? <laughs> no, this is not Legion Quest, which I keep forgetting to pitch on or like promote on here. I also do another podcast every other listener, but it's about Legion, which isn't on right now. So we'll get to that we gotta, later. We gotta wait yeah, a that's a whole segment that. at the end of the show. You're getting ahead of yourself. Well, you know, if you like Legion, we did a uh, Everyone is John uh, Legion backstory when we led into our Age of Apocalypse special coverage, which we did as a uh, Ken Burns style audio documentary. <laughs> yeah, which was legit super good because I am well documented on this podcast of loving Age of Apocalypse. And that was actually that's actually what got me really listening to Multiversal Q and into the Luke Hare family of podcasts. Like I'd listened to a few others in the past, but that's the one I was like, okay, this is this is my jam. This is where I should be. 
Well, and we should be expanding that family relatively soon. There's conversations about Oops! All Anime. I'm not listening to Oops! All Anime. As we will find out next week when we cover my least favorite story of all time... <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> not, not, not a fan, and that did nothing to change it. Um, but yeah, and then Exiled is a role-playing game live play podcast, so it's me... Uh, Devin, who is my co-host for Multiversal Q, uh, James Leesk, uh, Jen Overstreet, and then uh, initially Bree Rudd, now Kaylee, uh, who we get together and do a uh, Exiles-inspired role-playing game. And for the most part, it was one month equals one story arc. We update every week, and then we do occasional bonus episodes, which are a good way to find out if you'd like the podcast. We call yeah. those our fifth week specials. Sweet, yeah, cool. you busy man. Yes. Like, yeah. as soon as this is done, I'm recording another podcast, and then I'm editing podcasts, and then I'm just going to spend the rest of the time at uh, the movies. That's Ooh, what you're going to go see. Anything good? What's uh, even out right now? I'm going to see Good Time, that new movie with uh, Robert Pattinson. Uh, Ingrid oh. Goes West, and then The World Is Not Enough. I'm on that triple oh. feature life. Which one's Ooh. the world's not enough? Is that the the is that the newspaper one? It's a Pierce Brosnan Bond. No, no. Or is that uh, Tomorrow Never Dies? That's Tomorrow Never Dies, which I saw on Wednesday, along with Tomorrow Dunkirk. Never Dies isn't very good. No, it like that initial scene is just like oh this could be interesting, and then it's like oh god no this is like so much scenery chewing. It's like yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know if it's the worst, because I know Die Another Day is not a good movie. But oh, I kind I'm seeing of, that tomorrow. I kind of love it for the uh, Batman and Robin-esque, just, it's bizarre and campy. Like, there's a man with diamonds in his face, and he's a main villain. It's kind of, I don't know. It. I think it takes James Bond to its logical extreme, and it was probably good that Casino Royale pulled that back a lot. I'm seeing that they, on Wednesday. Yeah. That one's good. Are you just going through every James Bond movie? Uh, the local movie uh, house, Gateway Film Center, is showing every James Bond movie, and I've caught wow. most of them. That's mm -hmm. cool. That's cool. I mean, yes. James Bond's... He's neat. He's been around for a very long time. So, But awesome. we aren't here to talk about James Bond or my James Bond podcast <laughs> or the upcoming James Bond-inspired Exiled episode once I find the right guest. But, uh, yeah, let's get into talking stories we should get into talking stories now to stay on brand luke you actually uh you actually brought all three of these to the table so mm -hmm. let's start with your first one which was exiles volume one numbers one and two called down the rabbit hole and sins of the father this was written by judd winnick with pencils by mike mccone uh Inks by Mark McKenna, and colors by JC. Just JC. He has a very, very simple name, which good for him. Um, before we start talking about this book, I have a uh, age-related question, which, uh, mm -hmm. Zach, I feel uh -oh. like we've talked a little bit about this off the air, but um, the first thing that came to mind in revisiting this was, uh, I, I really want to start by asking you guys, how do you know who Judd Winnick is? <laughs> I know him from Exiles. Exiles. Yeah. Okay. So I... <laughs> you guys 
don't know <laughs> well you may know but like you're not primarily uh introduced to judd winnick via uh the real world i was not no no i thought you were i'm just looking this up now yeah that's where he met his wife yes um so i i was just curious because I, I i know i'm gonna be showing my age here but um judd winnick was uh, a big deal in the 90s because he was on the most famous season, uh, arguably the most famous season of The Real World, which at one point was a very good show, um, although it is responsible for the hellscape of reality television that we live in now. That's um, but uh, yeah, I, I, and I, I just want to put in a, a little anecdote here. Um, there was another person on that show who was like the villain of the show, a guy named Judd, uh, not Judd, uh, Puck. And... Um, I actually ran into him at an Atlanta airport once and it was the most surreal experience of my entire life. So uh, coming back to this and going, oh, right, Judd Winnick is not just this reality guy from the 90s. He's like a very established comic book writer. Um, it, it was kind of a, a trip for me. Yeah, he is also like famous for his run on Green Lantern. Right. And uh, he brought back the Red Hood or well, he brought back uh, Jason Todd. Oh, in Batman well. comics. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> but, uh, wait, did he write Under the Red Hood? Yeah. That's, okay. Like, that, that's a good story. I, I don't like and Jason was, Todd, but. He was also uh, the showrunner for uh, Juniper Lee, that, like, one season long Cartoon Network. Yeah, Cartoon show. Network. Huh. He also Man. has a graphic novel about, um,. The other big storyline on that real world season was um, Pedro, a, a guy who was um, HIV positive who died uh, of AIDS. And um, he wrote a graphic novel about that and, and Pedro's life. Um, so mm -hmm. that's another thing that you can check out about Judd. Um, but anyway, Exiles, anybody? We, we Exiles. like Exiles. Yeah, so Exiles and Correct me if I'm wrong because I've literally read two episodes or two issues of Exiles and just listened to the Exiled podcast a lot. Uh, but it's a team of multiverse or characters from different parts of the multiverse coming together to fix time and space. Is that right? That sounds accurate. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So on this team, because it's it's a weird team, we've oh, got so Magnus, who is an alternate reality son of Rogue and Magneto. We've got Morph, who is Kevin Sidney, who is a cartoon character. He is awful at the beginning. Yeah, I was going to note that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he's not great. Like, I get that they're, ha I like what they use him for, for some jokes. Like, he adds some levity, but then he also yeah. adds some weird creepiness. Oh, yeah. That he, needs he... to tone down hard. He eventually gets better, but, like, uh, we've been covering Exiles in uh, Multiversal Q, and it's weird, like, seeing, because of convoluted reasons, he sort of reverted back to this early, awful version, mm -hmm. and it's just like, no, I, I, I liked Goodmore who had character depth and sadness, and, yeah, he doesn't really get that until you find out that his mom died and one of the other characters is a lesbian. Oh, huh. Yeah. Okay. Neato. Can I ask, uh, do you, you guys might know the answer to this, because um, Morph is originally AOA, correct? Uh, uh, no. Yeah. No? So, okay, okay, okay. And this will tie into the next book we cover. 
ish. Yeah. But so Morph was originally the code name was used for the character on the, animated the X-Men, series. X-Men animated series, yep, That's who existed to die. But right. he was later retconned into being the AOA code name of the character Changeling, Kevin Sidney, from the Silver Age, who existed to be on Factory 3, I think, and then to fake Professor X's death one of the 400 times he did that. Okay. But and the origin forget. is still the animated series, right? That is the... The origin of this character? Yes. I want to say, you left him behind, soldier boy. (laughs) (laughs) We have an entire other book to get through before we can make X-Men 92 jokes. We could, can we, we need to stay focused on this one brand and then we can move to the next brand. Who else is on this team? We got Blink. Uh, Yeah, Blink. Actual AOA Blink, who's, she's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nocturne, who is... Uh, T.J. Wagner, she's Kurt Wagner's daughter from an alternate reality, who ended up in the 616 for a surprising amount of time. Well, mm-hmm. and she's Kurt Wagner and Scarlet Witch's daughter. Yeah, but I don't like her, so I didn't want to bring it up. She's an interesting character, but it's also like, oh, I forgot that she, like, vanished, and then she eventually, like, joined up with, uh maybe strife for like one of those evil mutant leaders in the 616 it was oh. uh it was uh exodus at the end of austin's horrible run yeah. it was when he switched from uncanny to adjectiveless and he brought in other zorn who's the identical twin brother of the zorn who pretended to be magneto pretending to be zorn is that oh, shen zorn which uh, zorn shen, is that? shen zorn is the good zorn kun yin zorn is the bad zorn it's we are zorns that's a lot of Zorns. Uh, <laughs> and then the last member of the team is John Proud Star, Star Thunderbird, but without a nose. And that's the team. Oh, yeah. He just has that little notch there. You yeah, talking he about was... horse face? Yeah. He looks like a mix between Beta Ray Bill and Apocalypse Art. Yeah, because he was mutated but by But he's a Apocalypse. horseman, right? That's why yeah. he looks like that? Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Oh, that's a bad joke. <laughs> That's a. They did that on purpose. They knew what they were doing. But horsey horseman. Yeah, yeah let's talk about this. Did we get Mimic in there? It yeah, gets really oh, bad with uh, Calafior's art. Oh, oh, yeah, and Mimic. Mimic sucks. Mimic sucks. Man, there's a lot of guys who kind of suck on this team. Mm-hmm. That's why they just start killing them off. Yeah. So yeah, Magnus lasts two issues, and then mm-hmm. he sacrifices himself for reasons that felt dubious. It felt like they needed yeah, to that kill someone. Make sense at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole thing on this is they get sent to a different dimension to try and fix it, and the Talus, which is their supercomputer cell phone thing, says gives them cryptic instructions to go save... Find us, your greatest teacher. Find your greatest teacher. And the important thing is Blink is the one who's wearing it. Everyone else came from a universe where Xavier was their teacher. Blink came from a universe where Xavier died. It's a tricky talus. So, it, it's I, it's such like a good twist, though. I, yeah, this I, arc works. I think it's fun. You know, I like. I'm Luke. I'm gonna let you let you talk about what you like about this because I think we have a bit of a different opinion on this book. Mm-hmm. Uh so it gets across the premise very well where it's going to be like oh we're going to play with some of what you expect 
and we're going to give you all of these interesting characters. Oh, and anybody can die, and you never know what you're going to see. Like, you have that weird ant lady version of, like, Spider-Woman who shows yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, that's and weird. just that weird team of, uh, like, mutants, because basically they save Xavier, and he kills... Or he knocks all of them out after reading their minds, because this is evil Xavier who's been locked up in a world that's worse than Days of Future Past in terms of treatment of mutants. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, oh, we messed this up. I guess we have to save our actual person we were supposed to save, Magneto. And then they take down evil Xavier, and it's like, oh, now you can have a better world. Just to summarize. Yeah. and. Like, it gets across the premise well. It sort of introduces the personalities for everybody and does a lot of good setup for some of the relationship stuff further down the way. But it's also like Magnus's death means nothing. Absolutely and... nothing. Oh. Yeah, because he wasn't likable and he was sort of like casted he as, was... oh, he he's the slipknot of this uh, team. Yes, he would yes, have appeared in advertising. He also um, no is so integral to the, yeah. He's but he's very integral to the plot advancing, uh, just by fact that he's like so super powered that he can just magically create cerebros whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's a little too powerful for this story, um, you know, because he just he's he's magical um, in a lot of ways in, in getting them to the next step. Um, this reminded me a lot, actually, of the uh, the initial um, uh, start of Excalibur. Um, it has sort of like a wacky, bizarre, goofy feel to it. Um, I think we commented before that Morph doesn't really work, but I was kind of surprised that, okay, this is a very bizarre cast of characters, mm-hmm. but it works for me. You know, well, I, I enjoyed reading it. And initially they're all mutants, which works, and then they eventually add in Sasquatch, and it's like, oh, nope, no more all mutants. Right. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I mean, this, was, is this how... was coming out at an interesting time for Marvel and especially X-Men in general. Uh, Ultimate X-Men had been going strong in, for about a year, or less than a year now. Uh, New X-Men with Morrison had just started. X-Force Ecstatics had just started. Like, it was a lot of changes happening at the same time, and I think this book was there to provide a bit more classic superhero action in a time where they they were just going in a different direction, a direction that was probably needed at the time, but mm-hmm. they, were, they were changing. And I think this was their kind of safety net, hey, if you just want, you know, wham, pow, bang, comic stuff, come here. Yeah, and it, it has a, a little bit of that time caper stuff that... Uh you know, went awry on the Excalibur uh, line, yeah. but it, it does it in an interesting way. So mm-hmm. I, I found it really enjoyable. Is, yeah. is uh, Luke, I'm assuming, because you, you know, know this inside and out, you've read the whole run worth yeah. reading? Uh, there is a part where Chuck Austin comes on and it gets really, really bad for, like, what? he comes on for one arc and then he leaves for another arc and then he comes back on for two more arcs and they bring in like the mutant axe havoc stuff and like the weird wolf people Wait, and the wolf then after... from his the wolf people from yes his... oh my gosh they're the part of yeah. the run that's terrible and i keep forgetting because there's so much worse stuff in austin's run and oh. then 
And then it becomes good again. I'm blanking on the name of the guy who takes over, but it becomes really good until Claremont comes on. Yeah. And Claremont kills the run. He does a crossover with Extreme X-Men, I believe it. No, he does a crossover with Excalibur, uh, Die by the Sword, and then he takes over writing New Exiles, which is even worse. Like, I have memories of that being like, oh, I never want to read this again. And then, like, years later, Jeff Parker comes on for a new run of Exiles, which is my favorite run of Exiles. Huh. Neato. And that, and that Parker stuff ended way too fast, but, uh, like, that is great because they have a really, really good team, and the art is fantastic. It's, uh, the guy who did the Wolverine Year One art and a bunch of other stuff. I'm, I nice. forget who did that. But yeah, that that's good stuff. Now uh, let's. I'd, I'd say we've talked about this enough. Where do, where do you think it falls on the list? I'm gonna. I know we've talked about Excalibur a lot in uh, comparison to it, and we have one Excalibur story on here at number ten right now. Is Excalibur Mojo Mayhem? Do you think this is better or worse than Mojo Mayhem? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I like Mojo Mayhem better. I like Mojo. Yeah, Mayhem Mojo better. Mayhem's. Mojo Mayhem does a better job of using all of the cast and making those losses feel important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, we have a Battle of the Atom at 11, and I don't think this is as good as that. But, I think this yeah, is we are definitely... Battle of the Atom lovers. <laughs> we named a podcast after it. So That's right. It, it gets a lot, oh. lot of leverage from us. Yeah, no, I liked what I remember of Battle of the Atom. It's it's some good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, I definitely think it's this is better than the first Juggernaut story from the Silver Age, which we have at oh, number yeah. thirteen. Which right. that just really brings up: Do you like it better or worse than Fatal Attractions, the super nineties crossover with the holograms? Who oh boy, Bone Claws? Like Jim of the Holograms? <laughs> no, but they would have made it. That better. would have been a great crossover. Yeah. Wait, Man, does Lila show up? Fun. Lila doesn't show up because she's the most gem in the holograms of all the X Men. Well, Dazzler, may... Dazzler and Lila, Lila together. Chini. There is it. Is there she Dazzler Chini literally attractions. Dazzler literally uses magic or uses lights as her power. So I mean, that's very, very gem in the holograms. She's brand. she's probably close to that. But Lila's like a rock star. So yeah, she's a real let's girl. say. The time when Dazzler was in Lila's band is probably the most gem in the holograms that <laughs> that X-Men gets. I think that's a fair combination. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, you guys know my opinions on Fatal Attractions. It's not my favorite. Um, so, um, But it also has more consequence to, the, uh, to where the Large stories go. Yeah. You know? uh, I, okay, so you like it more than Fatal Attractions. I think I like Fatal Attractions more than it. So, Luke, Luke, our guest, please make an assessment. Be like King Solomon and find a solution to this problem. I'm going to put it above because I've never read Fatal Attractions. Oh. And we haven't gotten to it in uh, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, so I don't know what happens. But I'm going to say that... Uh... This goes above it because I'm seeing burying Ileana Rasputin mm-hmm. yep. and Exodus. And is this where Wolverine gets his bone? Claws? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, oh yes. yeah, that, that's the best part of it. That's the best part of it. That's the single best moment in that entire six issues. 
even yeah, if no, Adam doesn't like it. No, we're putting this above uh, Fatal Attractions. Fine. Okay. So, number so, 12 on our list, Exiles 1 and 2. We spent a lot more time talking about that than I expected, but we went on some tangents. Yeah, and there's a lot of characters. That's right. There you are know, a lot you have to characters. talk about every character. Every That's why we're going to get an hour one. on X-Men 92. Well, talking about a lot of characters, this next of a book has tons of characters. He already uh, let in with X-Men 92. He would never expect. You uh, missed the segue. You totally missed the segue, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. X-Men 92, though. This is, to be specific, this is the first arc of the ongoing series. So it's X-Men 92, Volume 2, numbers 1 through 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade is called, and I love this, The World is a Vampire. The world is a vampire. Banner, the world banner, is bam. a vampire. <laughs> it's so uh, great. I, I'm glad it's we all funny. shared that moment together. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm wearing my Zero t-shirt. Are you actually? No. Oh. <laughs> I would love to own one of those, though. I was like, just watching Scott Pilgrim the other night, and I forgot he wears that in a big chunk of the movie. And I was like, oh, that'd be a good one to own. Wait, are we? Since Scott Pilgrim wears an X Men patch on his jacket, do we have to rank all of the Scott Pilgrim books? Because those are going to go way too high for most people. I'm fine. With no, because he's not a mutant. Yeah, he's he's not. That's not in in continuity. We don't. It's have not. To he just likes X Men. That's fine. And uh, he also rips the patch off at some point in the movie, if I remember correctly. I don't know if he does yeah, that in the book. Yeah, but like Cyclops has quit the X Men so many times, and like other X Men have. It's true. So. People X Men are very fluid. <laughs> So, X-Men 92. We all love this book, right? Yes. Yes, we do. Now, mm-hmm. this was written by Chris Sims, Chad Bowers, with pencils by Alt- Alti Fermentia? Is it Fermentia or Fermentia? Alti Fermentia. Fermentia. Okay. I've, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, with colors by Matt Milla and awesome covers by David Nakayama. Yeah. Uh, this this is a follow-up to the Secret Wars series, and it is very on-brand for this creative team, because Chris <laughs> Sims wrote a story about Draculas, yeah. and it was the only thing he wanted to do. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know this is now, where they, you know, he wanted to start, so it's great. Now, now the pitch of X-Men 92 is that it's a synthesis of the 90s X-Men comics and the x-men uh the animated series tv show it's essentially what the world and the concept of x-men in 1992 was and i know adam you you've revealed your age already you've revealed that you were a bit older when this came Mm -hmm. out so i imagine like you're when you think of 1992 and x-men you think of the comics yes i but the animated series was a big thing when i was growing up too right like that was on constantly that and batman the animated series so um the the combo here of this but i also like that they extend it beyond that you know it's not just uh just those two concepts it's not just mutant genesis and the Mm -hmm. animated series we're also going to get like ecstatics characters we're going to get generation x um it reminds me a little bit of um worst x-man ever's uh amalgam of all Mm -hmm. the different x universes it's it's really well done now it's what's important to you yes now luke you suggested this book what what's your opinion on it? Where do you come from when you uh, when you like this book or don't like this book or suggest this book? Oh, I love this book. I mean, it's sort of the over the top synthesis of everything that I love about X Men. I mean, I was a big fan of the 
uh, Secret Wars series, but I feel mm -hmm. like this is sort of a better starting place in some ways because you don't have to deal with the Doom World stuff and the weird continuity that is introduced there and then is like weirdly sort of ignored, except it's not. It's, it's like floating in the background. Mm -hmm. It's not it's, important. It's like they ignore the fact that the entire world in the Secret Wars was a mall. And they say, oh, wait, mm -hmm. the rest of the world is here, too. We just didn't go there. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, I'll, I kind of I do kind of disagree that it's better than the Secret War series. In general, I think this might be the weakest arc of the entire 92 series. I mean, it's still very good, but I uh, I don't know. Vampire, Draculas, and X-Men never, never hit me the way they do other people. And this is a very Dracula's heavy story. I I can see that, but I'm also a person who like loves the all over like when you do Mixie X Men and the other Marvel stuff, mm -hmm. and so you do get the stuff like the uh, Darkhold showing up here and being a major part. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have not talked about the best like joke, the thing that made me like, okay, I am like buying this series no matter what. I'm, Which I is Alpha Red. Alpha Red. Red. <laughs> Alpha Red. Oh, that that wasn't my guess. My guess was Rogue hitting people upside with the bear several times. With the bear, because the people's oh, no. protectorate shows up like three pages into this thing. She uses yes. Ursa Major as a weapon multiple times in this arc. Oh, it just so shows good. such a respect for like the obscurity of X Men continuity that like we're gonna go back to old X Factor annuals and pick out the villains and. Uh, you know, oh, here are the Struckers, and uh, it's, it's so weird. They're the upstarts. It's great. Yeah, the, the upstarts, upstarts are a big part of this. I agree with Zach that, that maybe of, I mean, this only ran for a very short period of time, which still makes me incredibly mad, um, because I feel like if this had gotten a longer run, we would have gotten a much more evolved uh, plot line that led up to the things that, that happened in the final issue. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, this this seems like two guys who are dream come true writing for Marvel doing something that they've always wanted to do. I love the art. Um, Alti's art is a perfect uh, synthesis of, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of nineties flashiness, but also the cartooniness to, to ground it in the animated series. Um, mm -hmm. It's awesome. I love it. I miss this series so, so much. I, I really yeah. wish that they would come back. I know, Chad is doing um, Young Blood now, which is also pretty fun. Um, I don't know if you guys have read any of that, I, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great take. Great take on those um, on those characters, um, which are weird to begin with. But I would love for them to come back to this. You know, there's a lot of success with books like Gwenpool right now, and I'd I'd love to see them Marvel maybe get these guys back together for a one shot or something. I know I'm dreaming, well, but they, they've been doing a lot of like books still together at Marvel. It's just been a lot of like one shots or like they'll do a guardians of the galaxy. Well, crossover. They also had a original graphic novel with Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Which was super Bad good. Blood. Actually. Like I really liked Bad blood. We should cover that at some point. Cause that, oh. that was an interesting, uh, interesting trade. And while Deadpool is not specifically an X-Men character in all cases, this was an X-Men heavy book. Bad Blood uh, was... Yeah, X-Force shows up in its original incarnation. So, yeah, it, it's um, some good stuff. But I, I can see what you're saying about, you know, like the uh, the, the Dracula stuff. But again, like, it, it's still grounded in Curse of the Mutants. So there's, um, you know, a lot of continuity it, blending here. 
oh, well, yeah. and like even the earlier Dracula stories. I mean, they straight up be like, "Oh yeah, Storm and the X Men have dealt with Dracula before." Yeah, yeah. They uh they have a panel that's straight up a covered to annual five or six, whatever one's the Dracula's annual. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's I like this story a lot. It just it happens to combine some elements of X Men that don't always resonate with me. But it also has Teen Dupe. Yes. So it, it gets a lot that I love as well. So I don't know. It's a bit mixed for me. I I think that it's it's good. It's definitely worth reading. I reread it last night, and I was like, oh yeah, wait, this is great. This is super good. So I mean, I I think it's I think it's right up there. Uh, one thing I know you were bringing up, uh, Adam, uh, mm-hmm. some of the future plans they might have had. So I'm gonna pitch and I'm gonna put this in the as mentioned, but. A few months ago, Luke had uh, Chris and Chad on his podcast, Multiversal Q, and asked them a bunch of questions about this. And then somehow I ended up there and I asked them a bunch of questions about this. <laughs> and we, uh, yeah, we talk about all of the you know plans they could have had for it. And it makes me very upset every time. Like, I've, I've listened to it since, and it made me very upset that that didn't get to happen. Like, yeah. if you want to know the what if, there's some good what if here. Yeah, I would have loved for this series to have gotten a good 25 issues. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that it was chopped yeah. down, um, you know, it's just sad to me. Because, you know, from everything, from the, the DNA covers, uh, the art alone, I just love the way Alti draws. And I, I want her to have, I wanted her to have more opportunities to draw even more of the X universe, which she does get to do in the back half, but it's so rushed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, no, I... I like it. I've got I've got one point I want to make, and then I'd say let's move into ranking this. But mm-hmm. the last thing I do want to say is canonically, Teen Dupe is not just Dupe as a teenager. It's regular Dupe, and he was just at the school with a bunch of teens, and he decided to blend in. <laughs> That's a real thing. That's yeah. a real thing that happened here, and I love it so much. I think about it from time to time, and it makes me giggle. <laughs> this book should make you giggle. Like That yeah. seems like its point. It's, um, it's great. I, I, it is a fun book. It's fun. I would say the one thing, and this may have been actually the downfall of the series, end of the day, it gets so much synthesized about 90s X-Men, including the stuff that doesn't always work well. So it does it does some things with kind of the convoluted nature and the feeling that you're always missing something. Like even when you go back to read 90s X-Men now, and we, I think we've talked about it a bit with, like, Fatal Attractions and stuff, but there always seems to be, like, a little subplot or something that you're not getting. Oh, yeah. And I think that pacing was intentional for this book, and it definitely adds to the 90s feel. But, you know, it's been 20 years, 20 plus years since 1992, so I think that comic reading culture as a whole has changed a bit and is less receptive to that feeling of I don't know something like we live in a Netflix binge culture where you start at episode one and work your way up so you don't Mm -hmm. miss a beat and it's a lot harder for people just to accept that they're not going to get everything well this this series is clearly for fans um and uh it's not a mini so you know Marvel has to think about editorially how they how they balance that and then that's what happened you know it only lasted for a short period of time so where do we want to rank this um I think we're still finding sort of the middle of the road here, um, but uh, 
I know you guys love Wolverine and the X-Men number 17. I'd put this arc above Giant Size X-Men because, like, Giant Size number one has a lot of stuff that works well, but then it also has a lot of stuff that doesn't work, including sort of the base premise. I don't think Krakoa super works as an X-Men villain, but he's a big part of the continuity in the same way that Dracula and vampires are. I mean, I, th- I think that's fair. That's actually where I was looking. I'm trying to figure out between... I think it's... I think my floor, Giant Size... I, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to figure out, I think it has to go under X Men one and one through three Mutant Genesis. I think that I mean that codifies the '90s so much, and I don't think that this arc, at least of X Men '92, beats that. No. So, I don't think it's better than the Wolverine and the X Men dupe issue either. See, that's that's where I'm kind of mm-hmm. jumping back and forth because. Yeah. And part of it is just where X-Men 92 as a whole, because it was a short run. I think it was 14 total issues when you count the Secret Wars mini. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole thing kind of synthesizes itself to me as one big thing. And I think as a whole, it might be better than that dupe issue. I think. But we're looking at just this arc right now. Right. So, I mean, I'm fine putting it under the dupe one, because, I mean. That's Jason Aaron and Mike Allred working on a single issue of just pure weirdness. Right, right. Like, when when Chris obviously listens to this podcast and then talks about it at length on his other podcast networks, I'm sure he <laughs> will understand that, you know, Jason Aaron and Mike Allred are pretty good comic book writers, but we're also putting him above Dave Cockrum and Len Wein, so maybe he can be okay yeah. with that? I don't know. I'm well, not friends I with him in real life. And I would also say that X-Men 92, 5 to 10, I, I would be more tempted to go above yeah. Wolverine and the X-Men 17. Well, that um, has the toadies. That I mean, has that, the toadies in it. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole has... that whole arc is like uh, between the X-Men 2099 <laughs> bit and bringing in X-Force towards the end. It's so incredibly crazy. Um, well, uh, takes to I guess we'll level. just have to bring you can always bring me back on to help you guys rank that one. Well, we'll we will uh we will take that into consideration Absolutely. for the future. So right but, now we're putting it at number nine. Is that the verdict? Yep. Our new number nine is X Men ninety two one through four. The world is a vampire. The world is a vampire. We already did that bit. That <laughs> went to smoke on the never... water, or not smoke. That went into white room. I don't know why it went into White Room. Those are different songs. <laughs> but we've got a we've got one more story, one more story on this list, and this is a good one. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, so understatement. We've got a we've got X Men Uncanny X Men numbers one forty one and one forty two, the days of future past. Which the worst part about this is the title's actually kind of dumb. Days of Future um, Past doesn't make much sense when you think about it for more than two seconds. But isn't it always, oh, isn't it just there to confuse you? Like, I don't think it's, I think the glory of this, this, ep, this is such an amazing epic pair of, of issues. Um, and I'm going to sell this really hard, guys, because I really <laughs> think this should be at number one now. Um, and, and maybe you guys want to argue with Ooh. me about this. But um, this is Byrne and Claremont knowing they're about to break up because they're not friends really at this point in, in the no. room. Um, and they are just going all out 
this is going to be the craziest thing ever. We're going to react to the negative fan backlash of Dark Phoenix, and we're going to kill everybody. And this is how we're going to do it with this like very distilled, awesome thing that introduces concepts that are so vital to what X-Men is about for, well, until now, until right now in continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, am I sensing that I'm, I'm liking this more than you guys? <laughs> I don't think so. So here, no. here's the thing. Um, Luke, uh, chime in if you disagree with me, because you are the multiverse expert. You are the guy yeah. who knows everything about the things that aren't canon, in air quotes. Uh, but... Ooh, ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to chime in before I made are, my point? Are, are we going to talk about all access and how uh, the Legion of Superheroes on Axis got <laughs> Magneto crippled? Okay, I had never you, heard of that before. You posted you that, that on the <laughs> That's a true thing that happened. The <laughs> Legion of Superheroes causes Magneto's uh, wheelchairness in this, which I didn't know until late last night, and I am I still reeling from. That's crazy. <laughs> that may be my favorite weird bit of continuity. Yeah. Yes. It's one of those things that is almost always ignored just because it's not only an amalgam spinoff but it's like the third amalgam spinoffs well the second amalgam spinoff series because uh yeah in all access access just keeps flashing through different time periods like different characters from those time periods end up meeting up so it's like uh, i think it's the two-gun kid ends up meeting with jonah hex and both of them understand what's happening because they've seen enough weird stuff and eventually Axis goes in and meets the Legion of Superheroes who meet him in the Days of Future Past Days. They try, or they are able, they are able to briefly get a uh, device that will turn off the mutant power dampeners, but then they get called back into uh, another universe because of plot reasons, and Magneto ends up getting a uh, harpoon through the back by a uh, Sentinel, and that's why he's crippled. Wow. Comics are the worst and also the best. That was oh, yes, very but, complicated. Yeah, but I mean, I guess <laughs> Whereas this, this story... is not. No, this is pretty straightforward. There is a dark future that the X Men mm-hmm. have to send one of their own into the past. Kitty Pride, Kate Pride, I guess she goes by. She's older now. She's older, more mature, but she goes by Kate Pride. Goes to the past, inhabits her younger self's body, her younger self who has literally had one X Men adventure, mm-hmm. and has to try and uh, deal with all that. But it's super good. Like, the thing about Days of Future Past is the X-Men end up, like, the X-Men books end up chasing this story, this bad timeline, alternate reality future forever. And it ends up not being the X-Men. It's like 90% of all, you know, alternate futures end up with this is the bad future where everyone's hunted like freaking heroes did this in their first season like that's how codified and how iconic this story is it's well and this was the first time travel story that marvel really did to this extent because like even alan moore's captain britain run uh that like introduced a lot of alternate universe stuff didn't happen until after this and then you sort of see a straight line from this into age of apocalypse and heroes reborn Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff Oh, even yeah. up till right now. I mean, if you if you can't have all new X Men without a story, without this you know happening first, um, I had sent um, 
I had sent over that Abraham Reisman article from Vulture, um, which had some interesting quotes from Sean Howe um, and John Byrne about this story. Sean Howe was was contending that this was actually the first example, and Luke, maybe you know this better because this is like your wheelhouse, that this was the first example of a dystopian future time travel story in the Marvel Universe. Um, is that accurate? I, I don't know, but uh, I mean, this is so, so I, core to what X-Men is all about, and it leads to so much of its continuity, too. As far as I know, it is. I did a presentation on Free Comic Book Day about alternate universes in both the Marvel and DC universe because my life is very, very sad at times. But, like, this was the uh, big thing because... Uh, like I was unable to find anything else there could be like some lost and forgotten stories just because there are so many Marvel books that are completely out of print and more or less out of awareness for people mm -hmm. but like for as far as my research led this was the first one yeah and there's no there's no prep for this like in the trade that i have it just it prints the f couple of issues that come before this but there is mm -hmm. no warning that this is coming you know this isn't something that's like on <laughs> on the verge it just it smacks you in the face it's over very quickly it ties directly into um the mutant metaphor things that we were talking about a lot in uh, our first episode with god loves man kills um you know with the senator kelly angle it it's about as distilled an X-Men story as you can get. The lineup here is classic. It is perfect. Um, well, there's... it's perfect. And then angels there. Well, okay. You know, <laughs> Oh, that's, angels, that's the worst we... of the O five and no one can disagree with that. Oh, Oh yeah. No, I can't argue with He's that. No, absolute worst. This is before he gets his awesome blade wings and becomes Archangel, which is, you know, he needed that. He can prove me. Oh, oh. He gets broody, but he needed it. <laughs> oh, I will make a side point. This was not the first big Marvel alternate universe story, but this was the first one that had uh, major ram yeah, had major ramifications and was part of the main continuity because uh, Volume One of What If had started in 1977. Oh, um... that's before this. It's like five yeah. years. Yeah, but, like, a lot of those were very different. I mean, you got some weird stuff, but those were all very self-contained, and except for the, like, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four, none of them really had come back at all. Well, and this one's interesting because it's not resolved. You know, at the end of it, you don't know if they're successful or not. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think Professor X's line is like, well, time will tell, but um bum um, <laughs> So you don't really know if this uh this alternate timeline got resolved or not and it leads to so much i mean we get rachel um this opens the door for something like bishop uh you know we just did um uh the, the, the um uh, messiah complex um you can't have messiah complex without this you can't have battle of the atom without this um it just opens the door for so much of this stuff it's great yeah, I, I feel like a lot of it is more of the legacy that it brings. I mean, it's a very good story, but it's also, I feel like you might have a hard time 
reading it if you're less familiar with Claremont because it is also very Claremontian written. Because mm-hmm. like some of those battle pages are like, oh, you've also written like a page full of text that you're sticking on here. <laughs> Claremont yeah. never met a, a source he didn't want to use. Yeah. Well, and guys, there are rogues. You got to watch out for the rogues. Uh, this is rogue area. We're going to say rogue a lot in the first couple pages. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. I For me, I think this is hard to beat. Um, there's a reason they went back and, and made a movie, uh, tried to make a movie based on it. And, and Wait, why do you I, say I like, tried? That's the best X-Men movie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's All right, what's better, X2 or Days of Future Past? Days of Future Past is a better overall movie. X2 has moments. We will save the actual ranking of the X-Men movies no, for when the new... We should do that. We'll do a special when the actual movies come out. <laughs> Spoilers for our future selves. There's like three next year. We'll have time. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot going oh, on. God. I love the movie, um, and I, I think they did a, a really great job, and that's one of the reasons that I disliked uh, the, the next one so so much because I thought Days of Future Past was so great. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, except except there's one big problem. It came out in 2014 instead of 2013. Oh, which yeah. would have been yeah. great. If Missed they it by that year. year. That would have All been right. yeah. the far off future of 2013. Oof, man, what a time <laughs> to be alive. Yeah, all our flying cars. It's great. Yeah, so time. we we've talked around it a bunch, but I I'd say look, everyone knows that Days of Future Past is very very good. It is. Is it an important and also good comic? It's very fun to read. It's good. It's mm-hmm. good, good. I, I'd i say it's better than the Chris Claremont, Frank Miller, Wolverine goes to Japan and fights Ninja story. I agree. I'd, I'd rather read that one, though, if it's like, oh, you can read either Days of Future Past or you can read this uh, Wolverine fight Ninja story. Uh-huh. I'd rather read Wolverine nine times out of ten. Mm. One of the things that I think we've been talking about in terms of the list is also about its, I don't know, it, it, yeah, you know, its role in terms of, um, you know, pushing the rest of it forward or, or also the ability to, I think we talked about this, God loves with like being able to hand it to someone, you know, like you're a new X-Men fan. What are X-Men about? Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Those are things I think we should consider. Here's the two two kind of points on that, because right now our one-two is God Loves, Man Kills, and Wolverine Volume 1. Yep. I think that God Loves, Man Kills and Wolverine Volume 1 are much better entry point. Like, you've never read X-Men? Here you go. These two are both very good. Yes. And you can get them anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Days of Future Past is like, you've read like three or four stories. You have your grounding in what these characters are. Now let's turn that on its head. Let's give you something yeah, it... bonkers. It's introduced in the third heat of X-Men, yep. which is the what if. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a actually a really good way to put it. This this adds what the X-Men really needed to be the X-Men we have today. Yeah. Now, I think that it's a being, better X-Men story than it is a Wolverine, than the Wolverine story is a better, you know? like Yeah, and, and that's why God Loves is in, on top of it. That's why God right. Loves is number one right now, because we, we had to brawl for that one, because I like that Wolverine yeah. story a lot. It's very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great. Um, so then the question is, is it better than God Loves, Man Kills? Um, which we, I think, established was that, you know, this is your primer. You know, if you need to know what X-Men is and what its core uh, ideas are about, check out this book, which is a beautiful, well-written book. 
Um, yeah, but uh, Days of Future Past does not have Kitty using the N-word. That's very true. Look, that, that, that didn't age well. That and we talked age about well. that a little bit, too. You know, that, that, that God Loves, Man Kills has, has its elements uh, that aren't so great either. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm comfortable putting this at number one, but I, I don't know where what, what our criteria is in terms of um, whether it's better than God Loves or not. I'm going to make a sweeping Seeing statement. How... Oh, I'm sorry. Luke, oh, you yeah. can make your sweet, sweeping oh, yeah. statement well, first. Well, no, like... Uh... Yeah, well, like, seeing your reasons for why you've uh, ordered things the way that you have, I, I'm fine putting this above God Loves, Man Kills, because it is a third heat. It also includes a lot of the elements that make God Loves, Man Kills work, because it's showing that future. It's not just, oh, these are things that might happen. This is like a shitty guy. This is what happens if we don't stop right. that garbage person. Yeah, you get that timeline of, of what the consequences uh, of... Uh, a person like Stryker's actions are. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm comfortable bumping it up there, but uh, I want to make sure uh, you're on board as well. My sweeping declaration was going to be that, yes, it's much better than God Loves, Man Kills, even if it's not a perfect entry point into the X-Men. So I I think even though it kills the, you know, the uh, symmetry of our list, I think it goes above God Loves, Man Kills. Well, we know we know just from what we're we're going to be talking about in the next couple of episodes that something is going to replace the worst. Um, yeah. So you know we're going to mess that up anyway. But That's I'm more point. than comfortable that putting. That makes me feel better. Yeah, doesn't it? I mean, I yes. I'm more than comfortable putting this at number one right now. Reading back on it, I was surprised. It just I I remember it fondly and rereading it, it held up. It is really good. Um, so I think we've got a new number one. I think we do. Number one is X-Men Days of Future Past. And that's three up, three down. Luke, thank you for your suggestions. Now, I know we are running long today, and I know someone has a podcast to record. Uh, but yeah, we got time. We have a couple of questions. I put out, I put out the uh, call for questions this morning, and we got, we got several. Oh, so. Really? Okay. Yes, we did. People listening. Uh, Sure, people people listening ask the questions. <laughs> Not yeah, yeah, it was people listening. So the first question comes from Multiversal Q on Twitter, and it's what are y'all drinking? <laughs> I am drinking uh, chamomile tea out of you'll love this guys. It is a um, like a, a steel uh, coffee mug, and it has uh, Joe Biden uh, eating ice cream on it. It's a photo of Joe Biden eating an ice cream cone. Yeah. I'm I'm drinking black coffee out of a black coffee mug that's very generic. <laughs> Sorry, no Joe Biden for uh, you. Uh, I had had a grande midnight mint mocha frappuccino before the podcast, and then probably once we hang up, I have uh, two Marvel, or no, I've got a Batman cup and a 90s Marvel's Avengers nice. cup. Nice. And I'm going to fill some of that up with ice water because I've got to talk more on another podcast. Is War Machine on that cup? <laughs> uh, no, though it does have like Nova and oh. like that 80s Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That was a great question. Thanks, listener. Thank you, listener. Uh, 
Thank you, Multiversal Q. Multiversal. Yep. There are there are two questions here that kind of go together, and they're kind of opposing questions, so I want to ask them. Uh, Exiled Podcast at Exiled Podcast on Twitter asks, how great was killing Warlock? And the Ghost of Warlock at Best Teen Warlock asks, why does self-soul enemy entity Luke have no soul? <laughs> uh, I think... You know, I took... I took no pleasure over killing Warlock. I think that it, his death was a result of the team not working together mm, to stand up against the Eternals. I think that's fair. Spoilers for Exiled. Yeah, that's, that's the sad part. It's the sad. Now, we, we got a lot of other questions here, but I think we'll just do one more. Uh, the last one comes for, to us from Mojo at the Mojoverse, who says... <laughs> some new pitches for your dear sweet mojo sweeps week is coming and people are dying for new shows no 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 that was a very good mojo, mojo read though well done mm-hmm. so, right, so i, I, I think he's asking pitches for new tv shows which this is an odd place yeah. to that but you know what you get you get your suggestions where you can well i, I can it be a reboot probably asking that could be, though. I mean, Mojo traditionally makes X Men based TV shows, so does it have to be a Mojo show? Can it can it just be in the real world? <laughs> I mean, it can be whatever. It's the if magic think... of television. I mean, oh yeah, if, and the magic of Twitter. Yeah, if Mojo can get involved and give me uh, another eighteen episodes of Twin Peaks, I'd be one hundred percent on board for that because I am loving that. Uh, probably when this airs, it's over. And I'll be uh, in a ball crying because that is just such an amazing experience this year. Um, and then, uh, can you give me a Lost reboot? Uh, that'd be great. Maybe. Uh, 57 <laughs> minutes ago, I would have had a different answer. But as of this conversation, I now want a Gem of the Holograms reboot. But yes. instead of Gem of the Holograms, I want it to be Dazzler, Lila Cheney, Pixie, and I don't know, like North Star can be a bo- the boy. It's fine. They did that whole thing in San Francisco where they were all best friends. So I'm going to go with that. Now, I would say if Mojo rebooted Twin Peaks, it would probably end up with Longshot playing Agent Dale Cooper. Would that make you more or less excited? Oh, more. More. That'd be great. I'm totally on board for that. That would be wonderful. Because, you know, there's been a lot of these... um, This is kind of related, but there's been a lot of these uh, questions lately, like... um, I think Chris Anka asked this recently online, you know, like dream lineups of the X-Men. Um, and, and there have been some really fun ones. Uh, if you go through through the responses, um, uh, who else did one of these? I, I think um, Mark for X-Men Monday did one of these recently. And people were coming up with really cool lineups uh, for X-Books that Mojo would be very happy with. Hmm. I don't think I've actually done an X-Men story in Exiled. No, down you haven't. You did, spoilers alert, but you kind of half did Inferno. Yes. But it did have the nastier boys, which, Luke, that's, that's one of your best gags. That's a good That's a good, good classic Luke hair goof right there. I like that. The nastier boys? Because mm-hmm. Mr. Sinister was teaming up with nastier, and he has the nasty boys. So oh, the nastier. Oh, the nastier. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. thought nastier. Oh, that's that's no, that's brilliant. That, that's like, like, the, yeah. like the green horse demon. <laughs> what the is it with X Men and horse based characters? That's I don't know. Oh, baby stealing no, horse based that... characters. <laughs> that's a very specific brand. 
Uh, but I think that does it for our question segment. Thank you to. Oh, I didn't get to pitch a show. I oh, did you not? Did you not? No. Oh, okay. Pitch away. I'm sorry. Our question segment is still in progress. X babies, but they're in a hospital drama. But it's also a reality show because they're working on actual people who are alive, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong. Oh, but because they're the X babies, they don't know what's going <laughs> wrong. It would get all the ratings. <laughs> Mojo does love the X babies. Yeah, he does. I like he, him too. He'd be, he'd be on brand for that. Oh, I understand that Mojo brand very well. That Mojo brand. These are some great ideas, that... guys. It's a whole fall season here. Yeah, yeah, we could we could we could fill up a Thursday night. <laughs> Do that pretty well. Med, Must see TV. Med X babies. <laughs> All right, so as as we now wrap up, as we are hitting the one-hour mark, which makes this by far our longest episode of Exiles. Yeah. Not Ex- oh, my gosh, that's your brand. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Dang it. Dang it. No. Bottom of the atom. That's the podcast that I run. It's the one we've been doing for, by the time this goes up, seven episodes? Yeah. Okay, so Luke, Beyond Exiled, which is not this podcast. It's a different one. Where can people find you online? You can also find me at Multiversal Q, which is my weekly podcast where Devin, my co-host, and I talk about different alternate universes. Uh, the week that this is going up, we're talking about Iron Man Viva Las Vegas, which is an unfinished series by the guy who directed those first two Iron Man movies. To be clear, this isn't going it's... up for, like, several weeks. Oh, I know, I know. It's this. That's what you do when we're recording this. That's fine. That's just pedantic. Uh, that sounds I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm just being very specific here. I'm sorry for ruining your okay. pitch. I, I, oh, I no, no. That. If, That's on me. That's if on this me. Is, if this is going up uh, September like 17th or the 24th, it would either be What If Doom Became a Hero or Superman Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Mm. So there's a yeah. lot of good stuff on your plate coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got all sorts of good stuff. Uh, we're getting into some more of the DC stuff, which we haven't really covered because, you know, you got October coming up, which is Bat-tober. <laughs> that's um that's that's good yes and then i am on twitter at and i am on twitter at at coltreg that's k-o-l-t-r-e-g i also write comics the second issue of heroes international the book that i wrote that uh is out now is very good it's about space prison where i came up with a bunch of bullshit villains and it is very good and then i got kicked off the book so buy and tell the publisher that you want me back on it Yes, you should. Comics. Busy man. Yeah. All right. And uh, Adam, where can people find you on the on the uh, web? The World Wide Web. The, the interwebs. Uh, you can always follow me at Arthur Stacy, and uh, you can always check out uh, Bish and Jubes and whatever I'm drawing over at adamreck.tumblr.com. Working hard to get the last couple pages of Bish and Jubes' second issue done. Uh, just trying to find some time. So look forward to that. Yeah. Yay. And uh, as for myself, you can find me every week on XavierFiles.com, where I will tell you about all the cool X-Men characters that you ever wanted to know about. Uh, as we're recording this, I've just put up one about Havoc. We had one about Emma Frost recently. Nimrod's coming up. Actually, the Master of Magnetism himself is coming up right now, but that may be... Lorna Dane? No, Lorna sucks. Look, I don't like Polaris. She is very low on my list. But beyond that, you can follow me on Twitter 
at Xavier Files. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast that I do with Matt Sibley, uh, Legion Quest, which is all about the great TV show Legion, uh, which doesn't have Mojo on it, even though I really thought it was going to for a while, and I kind of died with that oh, shit. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that was so good. Good times. Uh, season two. Season two, the Mojoverse. That's exactly what's happening, I Fingers hope. Fingers crossed. Give me this, Noah Hawley, please. Make me right. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and support the show monetarily. Uh, it's a it's a cool way to help out, support everything that you know I do for Xavier Files as a media empire. Uh, at the two dollar level, you can actually make suggestions for stuff for us to uh, read and rank on this show, which is a lot of fun. Uh, beyond that, I think we're gonna be coming back. Oh wait, no, I have to pitch this iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to this through. If you guys want to rate and review, if you've been enjoying the show. Please do. It really yeah, helps please. us out and makes us feel good on the insides. Yay. Yay. And if you don't want to, you can rank my podcast. <laughs> it's true. You can. That's true. Rate everybody. It's great. Yeah. Just I believe in you. Ratings ratings all around. Your homework, guys, is to go and put four iTunes ratings out there. One for Battle of the Atom, one for Legion Quest, one for Multiversal Q, and one for Exiled. Anyone who gets that will get a prize. We'll decide on the prize when if ding, anyone ding, does ding. that. But if you show that, I, we'll find a prize. We'll, we'll make something happen. Uh, beyond that, I want to thank Luke Hare for showing up this week and talking about a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, thanks, Luke. No problem. All right, all. Next week, we have what may be the worst story with the word X-Men on it ever, <sighs> along with some other stuff. So Jeez. stay tuned for that. It's going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> the show's going to be awesome, but the story is <laughs> awful. You still bought it, Luke. Like you still, you still put, oh, the, yeah. you still put the money down. We're You're so gonna have to experience that, this with the rest of us. So sorry. Well, I apparently had it uh, delivered to the wrong address. Oh, no, someone so else got I, it. Uh, That's a weird package uh, for someone to just get. God, can you imagine? Opening? Well, it's got my name on it, so I'll probably just need to swing by and pick it up. Sometime. Please say you didn't send that to your parents. <laughs> no, jeez. No, I sent it to my old landlord. <laughs> I've done that before. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's a wow. uh, that's some that's some good good stuff uh, for everyone. This has been Battle of the Atom. I hope you survived the experience. Get it!